Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and this week we are continuing Comedy Month with a look at the romantic comedy, Always Be My Maybe. If it was from 2019. We will be spoiling this movie, but this is from 2019. It's on Netflix. You should have been able to watch it by now. I don't mean to sound like I'm scolding <laughs> you, but... <laughs> I know you watched it yet. (laughs) Why are you listening if you haven't watched it? That's kind of like. (laughs) That's that's a good point. But some people do anyway. And then they get mad if they get spoiled. If you don't have a spoiler warning. So I am warning you that we are spoiling this. Although with romantic comedies. Sometimes I'm like. Can you really spoil a romantic comedy? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to anyway. So. uh, (laughs) And I have with me again, I have two, uh, well, I'm part of the sexy ladies too, but I have two of the sexy ladies, Carla and Meg, and then from Bedwetter We Head Pod, and then I have another member of Wild Women of Podcasting, which Carla is also part of, Jen, my podcast brain twin from my streaming bubble, and then what was... I, I was waiting for Meg to get – I was like, <laughs> Meg's going to be very upset about that. But go watch Dexter. Yeah. And Yellow Jackets. Why don't I get to be a wild woman? Well, you have to watch scary stuff, man. I Meg. watch scary stuff. You just sure. don't think it's scary. Watch Dexter and watch Yellow Jackets and then you can talk about being <laughs> I wild. I actually want to watch Yellow Jackets, but I'm scared. You're fine. Though. It's fine. Just watch it. Oh my god, nothing <laughs> happens. Just, it's totally Jen's fine. Jen's just annoyed with me now. <laughs> it's a very like... normal show in which nothing remotely scary happens. Very normal. And then watch. And then watch Swarm. You'll be totally fine. <laughs> I don't trust any of you. <laughs> but but I'm glad to have all three of them back with me podcasting on this beautiful episode that will only be an hour and a half long. <laughs> so, so if you don't know what always be my maybe is, and remember, this is from IMDb and remember IMDb can suck sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, the description is everyone assumed that Sasha and Marcus would wind up together, except for Sasha and Marcus reconnecting after 15 years. The two start to wonder Maybe? That's, oh my God. <laughs> that's so bad. See, we need good writers. <laughs> yeah, whoever wrote that. Was that's what you get when you get AI writing stuff. Thank you. 
Maybe. Yes. I'm sorry to the person, to the poor person who actually wrote that that I'm comparing them to AI. Yeah, I'm not. Do better. <laughs> <laughs> Do better. For the love of God, it's four sentences. It's a rom com. It's literally the easiest freaking blurb to write. <laughs> As the young kids say these days, get good. Good lord. <laughs> Go on Wikipedia. Practice changing facts about stuff. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but speaking of good writing, the writing of the writers of this were Ali Wong, Randall Park, and Michael Golomko. Hopefully that is the right pronunciation. I looked it up. There were several different ways to pronounce it. So, um, so this was directed by Nahanchka Han. And this stars Ali Wong as Sasha, Randall Park as Marcus, James Seisho as Harry, who is the father of Marcus, um, Michelle Buteau as Veronica, who is their friend, um, Vivian Bang as Jenny, who plays Marcus's girlfriend, Keanu Reeves as Keanu Reeves. (laughs) 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 The best. Daniel Day Kim as Brandon, who is Sasha's boyfriend, and, you know, he's gorgeous, and that's about it that I can say positive about his character. (laughs) Sorry, that's jumping ahead. Um, And there are a bunch of other people. I'm going to stop there for right now. I'm sure that other people will come up as well. But we are going to start with first getting your overall thoughts on the film, Carla. This movie, I was so excited when it was announced. Because it just looked great. I mean, I have been watching Ali Wong's stand-up for years. And I love Randall Park. I never watched uh, much of Fresh Off the Boat. But I just like him a lot. Um, this is, of course, before the whole beef beef. And finding out more stuff about Ali Wong than I care to know. But the rom-com, it's like grandfathered into my soul. I've watched this thing so many times. I've made so many people watch it. I think that it is, it's great period. It's a fantastic rom-com. It has great writing, great jokes, great acting in it, um, excellent direction, and so many wonderful actors. And I think it's also hugely important in terms of representation for Asian people in, um, like big time, fancy, um, stuff that you can watch. I don't know how to put it. There are better words. I don't have them. But it's, I, I just think it's its important because just like when we have shows starring and created by Black people or Latina people or just any underrepresented community, it's hugely important to have those voices out there and to have their stories told and to, to not make every story something where you could only win an award if it's like, based on tragedy because hey guess what people from underrepresented communities also like to laugh but they also what? like to like live laugh love believe it or not they they might also own those pillows and those decorative hanging things that say cheesy things like that and they also like to you know have rom-coms about stuff like that so you know check them out more and you'll get more great content like that yes and Jen, I know this was actually your first time watching this, right? Preparing yes. for this, right? So yes. I have no idea what your thoughts are. So what are your overall thoughts on? 
Well, first, I just want to preface that I'm not a big rom-com fan. I don't hate them, but I and I understand the safety and the comfort and the predictability. I get all that. And so no hate. But with all of that said, I really like this was a really cute, solid little rom-com. I mean, it's <laughs> I don't know what else to say about rom-coms. This was a good one. I liked I like seeing people that look like me. So that's always nice. And just I, you know, the more I see Randall Park in things, the more I fucking love that guy. And he is, he is hilarious. He is underrated and he is a talented rapper and definitely mm-hmm. leading man material. And every scene with him in it, especially when he's interacting with like non-main characters, like the Burger King guy, like these small interactions mm-hmm. were some of like the best and some of my favorite scenes. Some of the ones that made me laugh out loud the most. Uh, we've watched almost all of Fresh Off the Boat. So I've come become very familiar with his role in that series. And there's one scene that lives rent-free in my mind. That <laughs> So him and the wife, the wife is trying to figure out, like, how do I show that I love my husband? And I'm getting advice from neighbors. And one piece of advice was like, you know, like fluff his pillow and make it nice and comfy. So she does. And he's coming to bed and he's just like, oh, why is, why is my pillow all fluffy? And she's like, oh, I puffed it up for you. Nice thing. He's like, oh, but you know, I like my pillows flat. And then just wham, <laughs> down goes the forearm and this slow <laughs> flattening of this pillow. <laughs> I wish I could find like just a clip of that and keep it forever because it makes me laugh so hard. So he's, he, I, I think his comedic timing is impeccable. And again, he's, this is like the first time I've seen him in like a leading man, you know, kind of role. And I was like, damn, he can get it. And then I also just love seeing Daniel Day Kim as like that douchey, hot ex-boyfriend. So more <laughs> of that, please. <laughs> for someone who doesn't dig on, on rom-coms, to prepare for today's recording, I watched it three times. <laughs> just to be very thorough. Very thorough. I wanted to make sure I got it. You know, I didn't want to miss anything in case there was a big twist. There wasn't, but I wanted to make sure. Spoilers, there's no big twist. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is so mad. Well, one of my favorite things is listening to Jen talk about how she's not into these certain things and then (laughs) gush about how much she loves these certain things. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world. I love this movie. I am a I am a sucker for rom coms. Like you guys are your wild women who like your scary stuff. Fine, <laughs> I like love stories. God damn it! Show me two people, two two pretty people falling in love. Two love like I love me a okay, love story. Meg. When we have the mild women of podcasting, you'll be invited to that. How's that? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> My uh. women of podcast that just hurts my feelings. <laughs> anyway, uh, this movie does not hurt my feelings. I love this movie. <laughs> I think it is so cute. I love, and I, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But I really do love seeing, um, especially Asian men as romantic leads because for so many years there's always this, this 
stigmatizing or this prejudice against Asian men about how they're how they're not handsome or they're not manly enough or anything like that. And it's gross and it's wrong. And like there are very handsome men of all races. <laughs> like beautiful people exist all over in every different color, create all of it. Either way, it doesn't matter. This is stupid. The whole thing is dumb. I love seeing uh, Randall Park as a romantic lead because he is really funny. He is gorgeous. Um, he is one of the few things I actually like about the Marvel movies. I like Jim- I like Jimmy Woo in them. He's he cracks me up. And Ali Wong is hilarious. And uh, much like Randall Park, I love seeing Asian women as lead and not be fetishized. And yeah. not seeing stereotypes. And really kind of racist typecasting bullshit that happens so often. And I, I want more of it. I want more. But I, I think this movie is so funny. It's so cute. I love the friends to lovers trope. I love the big misunderstanding and the big fight that breaks them up and all this other stuff. Just give it, like, give me my candy. And how can, yeah, you can't be spoiled on rom-coms. If it says no. comedy, if it's a romantic comedy, it's a happy ending. Like, you know, you know what's going to happen, guys. You know. (laughs) And that's the comfort. Yes. (laughs) Well, I love horror, but I do love romantic comedies as well. I'm a sucker for them. I always have been, you know, I love love being able to turn them on and know, you know, there's a comfort in that predictability of knowing that those, what's going to happen in the end, that the two are going to end up together. And- I love romantic comedies even more when the two leads have incredible chemistry and you believe them as a couple because sometimes that doesn't happen, sadly. And chemistry is so important. And I think Ali Wong and Randall Park have incredible chemistry together and they're funny together. They play off of each other really well. You um, really, really love watching them together and you are rooting for them the whole time. You're rooting for them personally and you're also rooting for them as a couple. And that is a is, is another big feat because sometimes in romantic comedies, the other thing that'll happen is you want the pair together, but you mainly only like one of the characters or one of the characters frustrates you more than the other. And I think in this movie, at least for me, both of these characters frustrate me at different times, <laughs> but I love both of them and I want both of them to succeed. And I mainly, and I really want them together. And it's and the f- comedy is hilarious. It's really funny. The comedic t- timing is great, and all and the characters are all written very well. And I and I love the the music. I love the original songs in this. I think they're they're great. And yeah, Randall Park is very talented <laughs> musician as well. So you know, I, I and I didn't know that until this movie. And yes, as we have we speak about a lot on here. Being able to see yourself in all different facets of entertainment and not as a caricature and as a three-dimensional human being is so incredibly important. Um, It just means something. And so everybody should be able to see themselves represented. So it is very important. That's a very important aspect of this film. To have Asian actors being portrayed as sex symbols and attractive and and as the hero, and also to have like them not being the stereotypical job or not having just like one facet of, of you know, of 
the human lived experience. Like not everybody's rich, not everybody's poor, not everybody's, you know, it's just, you know, it's human. It's being human. It's showing people being human beings, which is what everybody deserves to see. So I love it. I think it's very entertaining. It doesn't get old. It was a great thing to watch quite a few times during the start of the pandemic as well. So yeah, I'm, and I'm really, really glad that Jen liked it because I'm, because, you know, sometimes that can be a gamble. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we're going to move on to the characters and your thoughts on the characters. And you can also mention a favorite scene with them. And remember, it's okay if everybody says the same scene because we all could have different reasons for liking it. So first, we're going to start with Sasha, played by Ali Wong. So, Carla, your thoughts on Sasha? I love so much about Sasha because she's – I love that she's a latchkey kid. I don't love that she uses that against her parents until the end of time. And that's part of what makes her work as a character is that she's not like this perfect princess that you um, – neither character is like – unflawed they they both have a lot to work on they have a lot of to work through a lot of like issues from their childhood and sasha her thing is that she felt abandoned by her parents even though that was more an issue of necessity than of actual abandonment um i i think that part of the reason sasha has that work ethic that she has is because she she saw that from her parents like i i don't think that she realizes just how much she is like her mom and dad. She is willing to move across the country from the man that she loves because she has a business to open and she has um, to be there in person. And in a way, she's kind of doing the same thing that her parents did to her, but she doesn't really make that connection. And I, I think that that's like a really nice unresolved not unresolved, but it was something that that's a good parallel that we see. The fact that they reconcile eventually over the fact that they don't use her name and they actually pay in full at her restaurant, I thought was really cute and sweet and just, it was just adorable. But she, I think she has really high expectations for herself and for the people around her. And it's, it's sad that that drove a wedge between her and Marcus when they were teens, but I think that was the right thing to happen at the right time for them because it's good that she didn't put her life on hold for him. She At no point does she wait for him to catch up. The whole movie through, even with Brandon, she doesn't put her life on hold for the guy's benefit. And I don't think that we see that enough in rom-coms. Like so often, you have the the woman being like, oh, it's okay. I don't need to follow my dreams. I'll follow your dreams. Your dreams are our dreams. No. So I was just like, okay, see you later or not. Whatever. And again, I I, I adore that about her. I love how um, even though that is her MO, it doesn't mean that she loves less. And I think that that's another stereotype where th- that there is about... Asian women in film and television, like this weird coldness that is assigned to them, which, you know, it's this weird stereotype that honestly makes no sense. People can be cold, guess what? No matter their background. People can also be warm, no matter the background. That's just how 
It is. Like, people are individuals. No one, except for apparently Finnish people, who apparently are not very friendly to, like, like, they're perfectly, like, <laughs> polite to everybody, but they don't, they don't like to make friends with people. So Americans are, like, always, always weirded out. Anyway, spoiler alert, if you go to Finland and people aren't talking to you like they wouldn't, like, at the Burger King in the U.S., it's because that's just how they are in Finland. But back to Los Angeles. <laughs> to San Francisco. Back halfway around the world. Her relationship with Michelle Buteau's character, Veronica, I love them together. I love how, you know, like, she is Veronica's boss, but she's also her friend, which is a very weird dynamic because she's the boss. And, like, that that one part I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, she wants to be her, her kid's godmother, but she's also, like, very um, bossy. And I, I just, I don't know. I would be like, "Hey, Veronica, why don't you go start your own thing, and I'll support you in that, and then we can be friends." And then I, I, I you know, you don't, I don't owe you a paycheck for it. I don't know. That was like a weird thing in the, the, the writing of it. But I, I also like how, as much as she is driven and all this stuff, she's still easygoing and she will go with the flow of the situation because she could have wallowed after Brandon basically broke up with her without breaking up with her, which is like the most ridiculous thing. It's like, hey, I want to like you know, put you, put, put like a, a finger in this, just like, just hold you there, but not tell you that we're actually broken up so that I can come back to you and you won't go anywhere. And she's like, yeah, but in the meantime, I'm going to sleep with Keanu. That's all right. Um, put so a finger in this is just. Yeah. Like yeah. I, as soon visual. as I said it, as soon as I said it, um, <laughs> but yeah, she, she goes fully into that. She's like, okay, well, we're not, really together so i guess i'm gonna go and do this dating thing now and she jumps right into it like th there isn't a point in this movie where like brandon comes back and she's like oh baby i miss you so much like they don't do that as the um the love triangle thing like in you know like sweet home alabama or so many other movies where which by the way bed whatever had covered sweet home alabama if you're interested in that we also did always be my maybe yes we did yeah that's a good point that's a good point good point meg yes good point um Jesus. <laughs> again i've been failing at promos it's it's very important to see a rom-com leading lady put herself first there's not enough of that and it doesn't come across as like um sandra bullock in the movie with Deadpool. I don't know. I don't remember the title of it. The Proposal. The Proposal. Oh, the Proposal, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Where she's like so off-putting because she is so cold. So it's like, I don't know that I want to root for you. In this movie, you do want to root for Sasha. And that, I think, is a great credit to Ali Wong's acting and how, um, especially if you've seen her comedy specials, she is so different in those specials than she is in Always Be My Maybe. Because you don't quite know what to expect. And then you watch it and you're like, this is a whole different person. How amazing. And as we have said on this podcast so many times, doing, uh, being a, a comedic actor or a comedian can often translate into much better dramatic performances than being a dramatic actor trying to do comedy. Because you have to hit so many different tones and like really read the room well. It really, and it really pays off with this movie. And Jen? Oh, I loved Sasha. I thought she was, she was, I liked, I just liked her. She was funny. 
and smart and independent and capable and not dependent on like anybody else. And one of my favorite scenes with her is kind of towards that end, towards the end, when she makes her big declaration to Marcus and is like, are you coming or not? And because she's like, I'm I'm going and I'm doing this. And I I just I love to see that, uh, especially in in rom-coms and stuff like that. Just this whole like, I'm still going to live my life and do my thing. And I'm not putting my life on pause, on hold or changing directions for anybody just for me if I want to. So I really enjoyed seeing that. And I loved all these little kind of incorporating all the little like cultural idiosyncrasies and just through conversations and the food and everything. And that's always just, I I just love how they like, even, yeah, the food is, is like Korean food is such a big part in this movie, especially at the end. And it's, and to hear someone be like, kimchi smells great. And I can't wait to eat this. Like, I have never heard anyone say that (laughs) growing up. My mom didn't want, like, I didn't really care for kimchi, but my brother did. And he would want to take Korean dishes to school for lunch. And she, my mom was very much like, don't, because it smells weird. And basically like, you're going to be made fun of and all of, and I, I get, she was trying to like protect her kid and everything, but there was none of that, like be proud in, who you are, what you come from, where you come from and what you like to eat. So it's, it was very refreshing, even at 42 to see that people are, are loving Asian cuisine and the smell and the preparation and everything. And so I love that her character was a chef and and worked all of that in. And because food, especially in like Korean culture is such a big thing, you know, we, they sit around like not me because my parents didn't socialize. So <laughs> I've heard stories <laughs> and I, I watched bits and pieces of my mom's Korean soap operas, but it's all about, it's just like Marcus says, it's all about big bowls and sitting around and, and with Korean food, it's all about like the side. So you've got like little, you got dishes of all sorts of different shit and you're just reaching across, you can pick it and you put it in your dish and it's amazing. So I just, the way that all was incorporated into into a romantic comedy was very nice and and refreshing to see, like I said, people that look like me and eat the food my brother eats. Uh, (laughs) So it's, and, and she's strong and powerful, but also not afraid in those moments to be vulnerable and speak her mind. And, um, and you just, you'll love to see it. And yeah, no stereotyping. They're just people <laughs> who are in, you know, going through the story and everything as people do in romantic comedy. So it's, I, I enjoyed her. I, I've seen Ali Wong's uh, stand up. So yeah, I did kind of get like, I was like, oh, this is not that. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, I enjoyed her performance in this and the character. What a novel concept that they're just people. Oh, shit. I know, right? (laughs) And Meg. I love Sasha. I love that she is, like Carla and Jen both said, she's driven, she's ambitious, but she is warm and loving and 
open in some ways while closed off. She's a very, she's a complex character with a complex background. And I love that there wasn't some like trauma. I love that she's a chef. I love that she's not a stereotypical like Asian um, profession or anything like that. Um, One of my favorite things about Sasha is she does not coddle men. Like she wants to help push Randall to better himself. But I think so many so many rom-coms fall into this thing where like he's a mess so she's gonna fix him and she's gonna go and she's gonna clean his room and she's gonna take care and she's gonna help him grow up you know and and that's for centuries that has been like the woman's quote-unquote job is to help men grow up both in tv and movies and in real life women are technically are supposed to be the help meets like, that's what they're supposed to do is raise up their man, which, frankly, he should be grown already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that she doesn't do this. I love that she's she's like, I believe in you. I believe in your music. I think you can do so much more than what you're currently doing. But I am not going to drag you along on that journey. That is something that you have to do for yourself. I'm on my journey. And she's like, you come with me. I love you. I love that moment when she says that I'm in love with you. Are you going to come or not? And he says, no. And I get, I get so mad at him <laughs> at that point. And I'm just like, are you serious? But she can't be surprised. He won't even play his band on the other side of town. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I love that she's like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm not going to miss out on this big, important shit for myself because you're having a crisis. Because you're having a crisis of faith. I just... I love that about Sasha. I think I do think employing your friends is kind of weird. I agree with Carla on that too. But if it means we get Veronica, I will take it because she's hilarious and their chemistry is wonderful. I love the theme of food bringing everyone together because that's what good food does. <laughs> it brings people together. And which I found so interesting that her, one of my favorite scenes with her is when they're, She's on her double date with Keanu and Randall, or Randall and Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> and good old Randy. <laughs> good old Randy Park and uh, Jenny. And they're listening to the, <laughs> they're listening to the cow while they're eating. And everyone is like having a really hard time. Like Keanu saying, I'm sorry and crying and everything like that. And you see Sasha and she's just, nope, this is great. I love, I love that part. <laughs> I like, that's fantastic. And, and that's one of the only scenes I think that's so interesting in this movie where food is not the nurturing and the warmth and comfort that it is throughout the rest of the movie. Um, and that starts with, with Jenny, not Jenny, Judy. But yeah, I, I love Sasha. I I love that she learns to deal with her parents and understand that while her growing up wasn't ideal, it wasn't great. I mean, I think it's so sad when you see her just sitting by herself eating. Like, that breaks my heart for her throughout every time I see her sitting by herself and eating because it doesn't feel as much like a choice as it is... She doesn't have other people there that she wants to do that with, or when she's a little kid. But I like how that resolves. I like how she can finally understand where her parents were coming from. I also just, I love that there were no tiger moms 
in this because that's such a gross stereotype. And I'll talk about that more later because now I'm just kind of off in a random tangent and I don't know how to end the sentence. (laughs) Period. Period. (laughs) The end. (laughs) She's Uh. funny. I uh, I also really, really like this character as well. And also, I just want to say, I, I love the name. Um, we have we have a frequent panel- panelist named Sasha, but I do love the name Sasha. There's just something about it, I think, that I don't know why. I've just always loved that name. So that's a random little thing I'm throwing in there. <laughs> but I, and I want to forth the fact that she does go to New York because usually in a movie like this, you would see like the big, big, big epic finale of this would be like either you would see Marcus running to the airport to stop her and this big declaration or even like maybe proposing or something like that, or her going and showing up to one of his gigs and being like, I've decided to stay and just stay in the San Francisco restaurant and just work there. But instead, you have her going, I do love you, but just because I love you doesn't mean that I have to negate my passions and my dreams and put those aside for you. And that's a really empowering thing to see in a movie that's a romantic comedy and for its important for people to see that and to not always see someone, especially the the woman, give up their dreams for the guy. And I mean, that's why I always will hate the ending of Friends, because the fact that Rachel gave up her dream job that she'd been dreaming about forever for Ross, of all people, then, you know, that's one of the – it just blew my mind because I'm like, that's that's not love. Asking someone to give up their dreams for you is not love. Yes, I understand there'll be compromises and relationships and all of that. But, you know, that was her dream and she went and still did it. But she also incorporated Marcus and Marcus's family, most importantly, Marcus's mom into what that restaurant ended up becoming. And having all those menu items be all the recipes that his mom made for Sasha when she was growing up. And, and you know, Marcus's mom was kind of like a, a her second mom. And so having that and being like, you know, that's another bit of love there, showing that love for Marcus and for Marcus's family. And so even though she pursued her dreams, she still took him with her on that journey, even if he wasn't physically there. So I, I really do, I really do like her a lot. Uh, I, you know, and I, I agree with that, that scene with <laughs> on, the, on the double date and where she is just getting into eating and everybody else is just like either like upset about being there or crying. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> this is good. I'm going to keep eating it or I'm, or, you know, it sounded more like it wasn't f- fulfilling anyway. So it's like, <laughs> but yeah, she's, she's a great, a great character. Um, and yes, and once again, not a stereotype. And that is so, so important. And then this is another, this is purely like a thing that I, I, I love characters that wear glasses when characters wear glasses. It's a thing of mine. I think most people look adorable in glasses. And I just want to say that Ali Wong looks absolutely adorable in glasses. So, 
has amazing glasses. I love those kinds of frames. My head's too yeah. big. I can't rock them. But just real quick, when you were saying that, um, you know, they were kind of off doing their own thing. So, that, you know, her with their restaurants, so they're apart and together. I just started giggling because that's what Brandon told her at the beginning <laughs> when he non oh, yeah. broke up with her. <laughs> so it's like, but so that can actually work. When there's love there and actual yes. like feelings and respect for each other. So I just kind of, yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, Brandon and Sasha did not love each other. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> okay. Brandon went off and started dating Padma. So, um, <laughs> which I mean, should talk about absolutely gorgeous anyways. <laughs> So now let's move on to Marcus, played by Randall Park. So your overall thoughts on Marcus, Carla? You know, okay. So there's the whole thing of like, oh, cool. You know, Marcus, who is an Asian guy, is not like in IT. And he's not, you know, like an economist or whatever other stereotype there is. But there is now this like new stereotype of Asian men on TV I don't know so much about a film, but definitely on TV, like the Asian slacker bro. Because you see that on, sex, on uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend with uh, Josh Chan. You see it on uh, Single Parents with Miggy. And you see it on, um, oh gosh, what was the third? Oh, on um, The Good Place with Jason. So it's like, you know, like the doofy Asian bro. So I'm like, that's an interesting change but you know it's like they went from one end to the other because they can't think of anything in the middle still marcus i think is a more fleshed out version of that because he has a a, a complicated reason like it, it, the difference between him and those characters is that those characters are played as not very bright and as slackers just because they're slackers and that's all that they are but with with marcus he is a guy who is, he's smart enough to, to, uh, accomplish more. Like he has it in him, but what is he, what he doesn't have is the bravery to do it. You know, it's not even like he doesn't have the drive because I, you know, I don't think that you can keep a band together for 16 years if you don't have some kind of drive, but he, he just, he's a, a basket of nerves for as much as he seems like a chill dude. Who's dating, you know, like a very chill woman. I, I think that, that he's just a basket of nerves 24 seven. He, he's constantly concerned about his father. He thinks that he's his father's ter- caretaker. And like, honestly, giving your dad an injection now and then does not a caretaker make. Um, that's something that you could still do if you lived in your own apartment. I promise you it is <laughs> doable if you get your own place. And there's that dynamic with his dad where his, as much as, as his dad wanted to give him his space to grieve his mother's loss, he at no point pushed him. Like he gave him 16 years of space, which I think is entirely too much, especially when you see your son is kind of languishing because he doesn't feel like he can take on the world. And that's where I think, you know, it sounds like a bit much to say in a rom-com, like he, he failed him as a, as a parent, but he kind of did. He, um, let him keep believing that that he needed to recover. And yes, absolutely, because you never get over 
the death of a loved one, especially when it's your parent, when it's somebody who, who means that much to you, you never fully get over it. You move on and you take your grief with you and your grief takes different forms. But I just, it really bothered me that that, that, that was like, all right, I guess if you, if you want to stay in your room and smoke pot forever and be in a ska band or whatever, then that's cool with me. But of course, this, this affects him the rest, you know, it affects the rest of his life because he doesn't show any ambition. Now, I'm of the belief, and Megan and I have discussed this before, that you don't need to be like wildly ambitious to have a fulfilling life. You don't need to want the C-suite. You don't need to want to be, you know, the team leader in your division. You don't need to like crave all of these trappings of supposed success. At the very least, you should want to have a life that you enjoy. And Marcus seems to be coasting, not enjoying. Even with his relationship with Jenny, he doesn't seem to enjoy her. He just, she's there. He's there. Guess they're going to do it. And that's all that, that there really is to it. And I think that's, you know, Sasha coming back into town and kicking him in the butt a little bit is, is a good thing because for one thing, I, I love that they kind of pick up where they left off in terms of their, their humor. And I think that, 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 um, that their, that their last conversation must still be somewhere in his mind kind of fresh because it's something that, um, is a, like an underlying factor in their relationship the whole time before the ending. So it was like this whole underlying thing in their relationship. And I think that seeing himself through her eyes and even through Jenny's eyes when they're playing the, the game at Keanu's like fancy, fancy plays. And the, the question is, you know, if you, if you had to kill one person in this room, who would it be? And everybody's like, Marcus, <laughs> <laughs> which I, let me just say something about that. Okay. I think Jenny was absolutely correct because if you have to pick one person in the room, and there are three people who are making a difference in the world in some substantial way, then I'm sorry, Marcus, but you're the one making the least contributions to the world. So you gotta go, bud. He's it's writing he's writing IMDB synopsis. He's the one doing <laughs> that all the more reason. Bye bye, Marcus. I'm so sorry that you gotta go, but phew, that's especially a reason. Um you know but even with all of that, I, I really love him because he, you know, he's so loyal and he's so loving and so caring to a fault, to like an actual fault where he won't move on with his life because he's scared to leave his father behind because he's the only parent he has left. So he's clinging to him. He's like so traumatized by his mother's death and he doesn't even realize it. I think he's clinging to his father desperately. He um won't even entertain the idea of taking the band to another town because oh my gosh it would be too far away for de from dad what if something happens to dad understandable you were at the pier when your mother died in an accident totally get it but bro get some therapy because your dad doesn't need you suffocating him <laughs> both with your presence and with all of that pot smoke he has the Diana Ross impersonator's <laughs> boobs to suffocate him now. <laughs> yes, and he's much happier in those suffocations than in Marcus's. But yeah, I, I just, he's still like a really sweet, 
loving guy once he gets over himself. <laughs> oh my gosh, in that speech at the end of the red carpet? Oh, come on. Come on. Like, that wasn't the sweetest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> and Jen? Oh, Marcus is great. I love Marcus so much. He is definitely probably my favorite because, again, it's Randall Park and he is hilarious. And, but I really, I enjoyed seeing this character. I liked, I I do kind of like those, um, like the new stoner Asian slacker bros, but you're right. You're right. It's such a hard swing in the opposite direction. Uh, it's like, don't overcorrect. There's no overcorrections that need to be done. Just a simple correction. <laughs> so, but I also liked that. So, okay. So with him being like that stoner bro. Yeah. I totally, I totally think he is just like frozen in time again. Like Carla said, like really not realizing how much the death of his mother affected him. And I think that moment too, during like the wake and when the dad can't find the coffee filters, I feel like that was a really kind of big, maybe semi-defining moment for Marcus in deciding to stay. Like Mm -hmm. my father doesn't even know where the coffee filters are. I can't leave him. And in the time at the time, that's fine. They both need to grieve and, and kind of work through it together. But he's, he, he just decided that, nope, this is going to be it for me and settled into that life. And, but we see that he is capable of bettering himself when he chooses to. And when, when there's enough of a drive, the example being learning Cantonese to get better food and service at the restaurant, because Sasha's like, oh, it's too bad. We don't know. And he starts speaking Cantonese. She's like, what? He's like, better service. And then the waitress brings over like additional food. So when, so that was the drive food was the driving force there for him. Totally understandable. So (laughs) totally relatable. Uh, (laughs) So we see that there and we see that, um, that he has that in him to do it. So when at the end of the movie and he decides to better himself and the way he kept calling her and leaving her voicemails and updating her on his life was just the sweetest stinking thing. And I loved it so much, but showing, but to prove to her, like, look, I can do this. And, you know, we're selling all this merch and we're doing really great and this and that. And, oh, it's like, see, he just needed the right motivation, the right kick in the butt. And everything else in his life up until Sasha coming back was not enough, except for the the Chinese food. Again, understandable. So, so <laughs> I so I'm really happy that like it's not like it it wasn't like a big kind of force thing. I don't know. It was just always there under the surface with Marcus that he's capable. But again, he just fell into a life. He just settled and was like, "This is this is okay," you know. And he's like, I got a great relationship with my dad. And yeah, I still have the band. And that's a really good point about keeping the band together, a band together for like 16 years. So there is something there. Um, But again, he's letting all these tiny, tiny little things hold him back. And it was very nice to see that he was able to let go of that by obviously the end of the movie. Another thing I really liked with Marcus is his relationship with his dad. When we see them at the beginning of the movie, after all those years have passed and he's smoking a joint and he's dancing in front of the mirror and his dad comes in and just 
does a goofy dad dance with them. And it was really nice to kind of see a relationship between an Asian parent and an adult Asian kid where the Asian parent isn't like, get out of my house, get a job. What are you doing with your life? And all of that kind of like pressure to succeed. It's, it's a lot. And some people go the opposite way, like drop out of college because <laughs> you didn't want to be the first one in your family to graduate from college. That was <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> so it was, that was very, very refreshing because I totally thought dad was going to come in and be like, what are you doing? Why are you smoking pot in my house? And he does a goofy dance. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that can happen. <laughs> You're not just going to get yelled at and maybe beat with a spoon, a wooden spoon for a minute. Not a minute, like once or twice, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> it is. So I was like, oh, that's gross. Uh, <laughs> So I love, so I just, I love, I love Marcus and yes, he's hilarious. I love his kind of like anti-bougie ways, but willing to put that aside for Sasha because she is that important to him and he's willing to eat those tiny portions with weird sauces and then maybe go get some tacos afterwards, who knows, um, or go to Burger King and eat a burger and go cry in his car and be sad. <laughs> No, but happy. Um, I love that he still has the Corolla. I think this movie is actually a love letter to 90s Corollas. <laughs> it smells like Parmesan. That's so gross and weird. Oh, yuck. Man, a brown Corolla that smells like Parmesan. It's just a nightmare. Oh, but um, yeah. So I just... I love Marcus. And yeah, a lot of that just has to do with kind of falling in love with Randall Park more and more every time I see him and just realizing how hilarious he is. And these moments with him and Sasha where they kind of got their their banter back and forth and they're joking like I didn't look it up. I don't know how much may have been ad libbed, but there was some like real legit chemistry. It felt like like these are two friends and they were, you know, yeah, it was. It was just some um, unscripted banter that just that happened to work for the scene. There was some very genuine feeling moments between those two, which I think just helps make them work all the more uh, by the end. So go, Marcus. Super proud of you <laughs> and the band. Although I did kind of think like the whole peeing on stage, I get like where he was at in that moment felt out of place. Anyone else like Yeah, I agree. Like I, I I'm agree. not above I it was a potty. Bit much. Yeah, I'm no, not above potty humor, but I thought it was weird in this movie for this character. And yeah. I and like I said, I get what they're trying to show with him just being so distraught that he got that drunk that he didn't know where he was, but like I could see him forgetting the lyrics. Yeah, or like falling down. Stage? Yeah. Every, everything yeah. up to the peeing, I was like that that makes sense cuz he self-sabotages yeah. so much. But first, the peeing on the stage, peeing on really expensive equipment um, that you like, honey, you cannot afford to replace that. And then the other unrealistic part of being invited back. <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah, he would never be invited back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, rom -coms. I agree. That, I agree. That was very, that seemed very out of place. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, Meg, your thoughts on I, I love Marcus. I think his mom died 
and he lost his virginity and his best friend and he paused for 16 years he just paused and him staying with his dad i think he told himself that it was to help his dad but he just couldn't bear to leave him and to be alone and he just was so stunted that in all that time he didn't really move on with his life and i think you guys are totally right where he didn't deal with the trauma of his mom dying and i haven't i haven't lost a parent personally but my father-in-law died when, when my husband was quite young and it's devastating losing a parent in your formative years it's it's heartbreaking and i'm sorry 18 is still formative y'all <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but i do love him i think he's also kind of mean and judgy and he's funny yeah. but he uses humor to be kind of mean he goes to like these events with sasha and has nothing but snarky shitty things to say about what her job and her career is like i get it the tiny food is gross whatever like is go like whatever the shit they are serving in that on those trays i understand you can just say no thank you you don't have to be like would rather die this is disgusting (laughs) and then bitch to her about it the whole time and i just like that was one of those things that did kind of frustrate me frustrate me with him because you don't have to be mean broke my heart when he and Sasha like broke up their friendship and stuff but you could totally see where he's coming from and she's like I understand that you're trying to relate I know you lost her too but she was my mom and losing your best friend's mom and losing your mom are two very different things and like but anyway I digress (laughs) I just I, I think he's heartbreaking in so many ways and i love i do love that it wasn't really sasha that was the catalyst for him growing up like she was a part of it like her coming back and him realizing this is an amazing woman and if i want to have a chance with a woman like this i have to step my game up i have to be better for her a better partner for her and being willing to hold her purse is so so weirdly touching as a woman when you have so many men who aren't willing to quote unquote emasculate themselves by holding your purse. Okay, random ass question. They red carpet events and the whole like not famous boyfriend holding the purse or whatever. It's like it's part of the outfit and you spent a lot of money or whatever or you're showing it off for the designer. Why not hold it? I don't yeah. understand that. Sorry. Yeah. That was weird, but, like, you know, the <laughs> metaphor of him being comfortable with her being so For much sure. more successful than he is. Um, and not being threatened by her success anymore, which I feel like he really was for a lot of it. But I love that his dad was really the catalyst for him really kicking it into high gear. And then his bandmates being like, you're an idiot. And his dad being like, I do not need you to take care of me. You do not get to use me as an excuse anymore. And I agree his dad should not have let him use him as an excuse for 16 years but i think when your kid is hurting so much you give them a you give them leeway and his dad just gave him leeway for too long it was just it was too long but i agree that i love the fact that he didn't burst in and be like what are you doing smoking weed in my house why aren't you a doctor go to med school Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) and i agree like he Marcus was so lucky in having not so lucky, but he was very fortunate having these two wonderful, warm, loving parents. 
and I understand the death of his mom crushed him and as it would, but I, I agree that seeing a warm relationship, especially with an Asian family between parents and their children without like that hyper pressure without like Mrs. Kim in <laughs> Gilmore girls. I don't love me. I love Mrs. Kim. Oh yeah. <laughs> but she plays along a pretty well beaten path of Asian parents and how they don't quote unquote raise their children. They train their children. Um, and I'm happy to see a depiction that is not that because that's, that's not the be all end all of it's just, it's a, it's a stereotype that I hate of Asian parents, not being warm, caring, loving parents of only being this really mean, cold, distant relationship. But anyway, I love Marcus. I'm glad that he finally grew up. Um, I'm so proud of him for punching Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and then writing an yes. amazing song about it. Yes. <laughs> and also, I don't blame him for being annoyed with Sasha for not telling him dress codes. Yeah. Because yeah. as the person who, like, if you're inviting someone to an event or to a place and you are familiar with what that is and they don't know what that is... That is your job. I'm sorry. It Tell them. Like, although he shouldn't, like, it's a black tie event. Dude, why are you wearing a t-shirt and a black tie event? But then he wears his prom tux to the rent. Like, the whole thing is just like, <laughs> he's like a tiny baby man in so many ways. But I understand Sasha should have told him. Yes. <laughs> but that's, that's, my, I, that's my Marcus. I love him. I love Randall Parks. I, t when we, Carl and I did this for Bed Whatever We Had, I, I went through so much trivia. Um, his band, but his band being named Hello Peril is such a f interesting reappropriation of the term Yellow Peril, which is a super racist term from the 1800s. Um, and I just thought that was a really funny detail because it's a whole huge paragraph of the trivia or whatever, but long story short, like Randall Park and Ali Wong both studied, like studied Asian studies in college and stuff like that. And they just thought it would be really kind of fun to play on a really horrible term from 19th century. And that's all for me. I too love this character. And I think, you know, I actually really feel for Marcus, Mm -hmm. like very deeply i feel really and and i think another big thing with marcus is he definitely wants to have his band succeed he wouldn't still be in his band if he didn't he wouldn't still be doing that that's definitely his passion music is definitely his passion but i think and this can happen to a lot of people i think sometimes you can get to that place where if something horrible happens to you if you lose someone you have a tragic like him losing his mom where it puts this stop on there where you feel like because that happened, for some reason, you don't deserve to succeed or to get any bigger. Like him just playing in just his neighborhood and just playing on a certain block and just, you know, just that because of his fear of, well, if I, I think a part of it is my, his fear of if I move on, if I go and try to be bigger, if we go to a different city, if we go to a different neighborhood, different block, then is that leaving my mom and leaving my family behind? And so what I appreciate about his character is 
even though they do portray him as this slacker who gets stoned a lot, but he's more than that. And he's portrayed as more than that. He's not portrayed as someone who doesn't have ambition because he actually does have ambition and he does actually have passion and have dreams. It's just he has stifled those dreams and buried those dreams for so long that he doesn't remember how to get access to those dreams and how to really achieve those dreams. And that all happened at, you know, losing his mom at such a young, young age when you haven't fully, your brain hasn't fully developed. And so that was like this, the stand, this just like that just kind of stilted his life. And he def and he definitely does use his father as an excuse for not pursuing those dreams or as another reason to kind of say, well, there's a reason I'm not. My dad needs me. And his dad does, you know, I do love the scene when his dad finally says, I don't need you here. I don't need you to take care of me. You're, you're, you know, and when he actually has that conversation and, and I really love their relationship. Yeah, there are more things his dad could do for sure. But I, but I really like their relationship and their dynamic together. And, but I, I love Marcus. He, I, I agree with Jen. This is my favorite character in the movie too. And um, it's one of the big reasons I f- love this movie and fell in love with it and, th- and can watch it over and over again is because of Marcus, because there's so much more to him than, you know, usually when you see a character like this in a movie, it would be somebody who like, they might like work like at a sandwich shop or the pizza parlor is usually where they have them. And they're working there and that's all they're doing is working there and smoking pot and getting drunk and they never do anything else. And that's not what you see with Marcus. And so that's why you see it's not just about being a slacker. It's about the fact that he has never dealt with the loss of his mother and what that really meant for him. And he's never dealt with the fact that there's a little part of him, I think, even even though it's not logical, but grief is not logical but i think there's even a part of him that blames himself or even feels guilty for even trying to have a life and live and i think that's a lot of where he is so yeah i i i really love this character and i love the performance from randall park i think he's really really good in this he's really really good i i really love watching him and i always want actually more of him in the movie, even though he's in there all the time, but I still want more of him. So I, I really love him. And yeah, I agree. The, the, you know, the, the speech on the red carpet, the talking on the red carpet, and it is ridiculous on red carpets. You'll see, usually it's like the assistant is standing there with the bags or standing there with their phones. It is a weird thing. I don't know, but Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about just their relationship then, and then and Sasha and Marcus as a romantic pairing. And I, I know it works for all of us. So I'm not going to ask you if it works, but <laughs> it's the worst. The I want to despite was it. Was really bad. Actually, <laughs> totally didn't buy it at all. Honestly, <laughs> and the end. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. They both deserve better. No. <laughs> They both deserve Brandon. <laughs> it's funny you should say that, though, because this is one of those movies where I don't feel like either one of them deserve better. Not because they don't deserve better, but because they're so great for each other. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Um, they they bring out these great things in each other and they add so much value to each other's lives. 
where Marcus grounds Sasha, doesn't weigh her down, which is a huge difference. Um, as we've talked before about the, um, the trope of the female character forgetting her hopes and dreams in service of the male characters, the, the male protagonist. Um, so yeah, he doesn't weigh her down. He shows her that having a simpler life can be wonderful. Like he can't offer her like this ridiculous loft mansion thing that Brandon has and to jet her all over the world and, you know, a big fancy wedding or anything like that. But he can offer a lot of love and laughs and somebody to test her food and to actually listen to her, which Brandon does not do. He's sitting there in the limo and she's talking about the wedding and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And more importantly, they're at the at the place that I don't know if they share, if it's his, who knows? But she's talking, hey, I want to do black flowers because I don't want to be one of those normal brides. And he's like, yeah, yeah, speaking of not being a normal bride, how about you not be a bride at all? At least not to me. How about we split up but don't break up and then we can reconnect later or not. Depends on what I want down the line. And Marcus is not like that. He is. Okay. I'm going to say he's a, he's a simple guy, not in a derogatory way, but simply in the sense that he doesn't need all of these ridiculous trappings that Brandon needs because Brandon has like this image that he needs to uphold. And also Marcus is happy making music. He is, for all that he is stalled in his life, he is still growing creatively. Like he's still doing really hilarious, but still very good songs and taking over the merch store, even though he doesn't realize that there's one person buying it and it's all going to the same address. Like, <laughs> um, are you doing this like on Redbubble? It's true. Right? Like, are you doing this in, like, Redbubble or something where you don't necessarily see where this is going to? Although you do still kind of see it, so do you not check your metrics? You know, do you not realize that you're servicing one city? I love the that name. they have all those the tennis name, balls, right? and his solution isn't to, like, maybe see if I can return these tennis balls for anything. And he's like, I'm going to write a song. About Which is so balls. smart and creative, though. <laughs> right. But, yeah, like, but that's just it. It's like, yeah. It, Anybody else, I think, would have seen that as a problem. He sees it as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where you see, like, he does have that spark. There's something there. And, um, and yeah, so they're a great complement for each other. I love their chemistry. It's so good. It is so good. You really buy them as people who have known each other their whole lives. You really believe that they've, they've had, like, this super close relationship forever when they look at each other, like their eyes are just so connected. It's like one of the, the, the most lovely things watching a movie is like, you don't feel like you have to get invested in the stories to believe the relationship. You believe the relationship from the start, which is something that I think can't be said about all rom-coms. I think in so many rom-coms, you believe it because the writing is so good and the acting is really good. Not so much because of the chemistry, but they, and they do have that. Just every time that they're together on screen, whether or not they're together at that point, they're still kind of just really in tune with each other. You know, like Jenny is there, but Jenny is there. She's not really somebody that you're paying attention to because you're, you're still watching these two have this rapport that nobody else can match. 
And even though, oh my gosh, the, the whole thing with Keanu Reeves when he shows up at the restaurant and he, he's like, you know, I missed your soul. I missed your butt. I missed this. I missed that. <laughs> it was so over the top and it was perfect because of that. And Marcus is just staring at them like, the hell is my life right now? You know, like, even then, like, I, I think for Sasha, it was like to show off Keanu Reeves, not so much that she's like, in a relationship with him, but like to show him off that she like bagged him kind of thing. I mean, um, same though. Like <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody can contest that. Okay, I, I fully agree. But it, you know, it, you don't have the sense of like these two are so right together with Marcus and Jenny, or with Keanu and. Um, and Sasha, as you do with Marcus and Sasha at every single scene, when he when he drives her home from Jenny's spam dinner. Oh, sorry, Vienna sausage. My my apologies to the Vienna sausage sausage makers um, to compare them with spam. When he's driving her home and they're just chatting, it's you just feel like like you're listening to. Like you're part of a conversation, even though you're not there. This is also what it feels like when you're listening to a good podcast. Just pointing that out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if she was going to say it. <laughs> of course. Um, I, I just, I love watching them together. I loved seeing them riff off each other. And yeah, and what Jen was saying about, you know, wondering whether some of it was ad-libbed i wonder that too because it just felt so natural and that's what i really enjoy that it feels so natural it doesn't feel put on it doesn't feel like acting and that's when it's great acting oh jen like these two characters you you do root for them there's that natural great chemistry between the two of them it also helps that like in the movie they're partnered with two very terrible versions of like but Jenny, what the fuck? Like, I'm sorry. When she popped on screen with her dreads, I had the exact same questions Sasha had. Um, and then, oh God. And then Marcus sends her like the the YouTube link to how to do dreads and Asian hair. I was like, I, I'm actually kind of curious because how crochet needle sounds painful and annoying, but. Yeah, so you, you're you're pairing them up with terrible people, Brandon. This version of Keanu and Jenny, it's like even if the chemistry and everything wasn't there, you'd still root for them. I think um, both of these characters are really great characters, and I think they're easy to like, and they're kind of easy for you to want to root, you know, want to root for them and for them to you know end up together. They're great. They've got the history. They're besties for life. She's been in love with him since forever, which was so sweet and kind of a weird time to bust it out. But, you know, the drinks and the weird game. Like and in then, front of your new boyfriend. Yeah. Like you've been like screwing all over his yeah, apartment. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So ditto everything Carla said. And then just that little bit of extra sprinklings on top that. Yeah. They are great, and I love them. And they just, yeah, they complement each other so well, and they don't really, they push each other in the in great ways, and they support each other in great ways, and nothing that feels like forced or like, oh, I have to do this, yada, yada. It's like they want to, and they want to better themselves, not just for the person 
for their partner, but for themselves as well. And so it's just kind of refreshing to see that kind of like relationship and dynamic in uh, in any movie or any show. Meg? Yeah, I, I mean, I love them. I think they're a great couple. And I think there's this common thing that people joke about in every couple. There's a reacher and there's a settler. Um, which I is not here. Like no one is trying to reach above their quote unquote station. No one's settling for somebody beneath them or anything like that. They're just two best friends who fall in love with each other. And I think that's, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite tropes or whatever is the friends to lovers. Um, I, also love that they showed that he was into her and attracted to her while she had braces on um, and while she had glasses on. And there wasn't a time where she was like, I'm going to take my glasses off and now I'm beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the dumbest thing in the world. Like, glasses don't do that much to change how you look. Not that much. Maybe I'm biased as a glass or glasses wearer since I was 12 years old, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. I have contact, although people have not recognized me before, but that's all. I've taken my glasses off and people haven't recognized me. I'm like, it's not that different, you guys. <laughs> Superman all over again. I was going to say, you should be the next Superman. Oh my God, who's this new person? <laughs> what? Whoa. I will, Where'd Meg go? I won't be able to recognize any of you because I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really love that they like showed them having the these stirrings when they were younger when they were both little quote-unquote less attractive or they're nerdy or there's this other stuff and the love goes so much deeper than hey you're hot and like it's one of the grossest things we see with that is like the like these people were best friends in high school and she was kind of chubby and they stopped being friends and 15 years later he sees her again, and now she's a size two. And he's like, oh, my God, I never knew all these feelings. That, like, I love that that's not this. Uh, I love how offended Marcus gets when he finds out that she had a crush on him all through childhood. He's like, what do you mean? I never knew this. I'm like, dude, how could you not know? I'm like, first <laughs> off, I feel like the first big hint that she had feelings for you was the sex you guys had. <laughs> <laughs> That, by the way, she initiated the that kiss. She yep. initiated. And, oh, my God. I love their fight. Though. It was oh, a yeah. heartbreaking fight. But also, I love the part where he's like, you kissed me. And she goes, you brought tongue into it. And that, <laughs> that changes everything. And then he's like, you took off my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and 15 years later, he's like, oh, did she like me? <laughs> like like Veronica says, he's cute, but he's dumb. He's cute, but he's dumb. <laughs> he's, dumb. <laughs> he's so pretty. <laughs> so pretty so pretty um no i think i i love their relationship it does feel really natural and i think uh i did look up trivia their scenes they didn't have any a lot of ad-libbing with their scenes but i think part of why it feels so natural and so much like that is because the two of them wrote this movie together you know so i feel like Writers do such a good job. Yes. <laughs> good writing makes it seem so natural. Can you imagine if there weren't writers doing this? <laughs> if there oh weren't God. writers what writing this movie? What would exactly. happen? Not everything can be whose line is it anyway, you guys. <laughs> and even that is kind of written. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
But no, I love them. I think they're great. It's funny because I have a different take on that, on, on, on that, the scene where he does hear her say that, that, you know, that he was her first crush. And yes, I mean, yeah, how did you not know? But I think also, I think Marcus has like so, such low self-esteem that he's kind of like, how could you have had a crush on me? How was your first crush? And to me, I took it more that he was just so almost like in shock and then in a way heartbroken that, wait, I could have had you like forever and I didn't do that. So it was just, to me, it was like, it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, honestly, is when is when she says, because, and she says it in this way where it's not like she's like nervous to say it. She's never like, okay, should I reveal this? No, she just says it because it's the truth and they're playing this weird game that we're going to play on the May 20th. No. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that would be very revelatory, but probably weird. (laughs) I love that weirdest person you masturbated to. (laughs) Yeah. And I get so mad at him for saying yes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yes, we're never, we're not going to do that on on May 20th because that would probably bring about the end of the podcast. (laughs) Or friendships at least. But... (laughs) Especially if we did the which one of us would you kill if you had to? We're not gonna do that. So do not answer that right now. Carl and I are experts at that. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh but but I do love them together as a couple and I think they just work seamlessly together. It's like you know, they they're just they're one of those couples that you would see and you'd go, Oh, that makes sense that they're together. And they fit, they, and they don't, and I think what's really important to any really good relationship, and especially in a movie too, is they not only love each other, but they like each other. They like each other. And that's so important. And even though, you know, Marcus was like, well, why do you have to leave? Don't, don't go to New York. And Marcus wouldn't go to New York. Marcus still, in a lot of respects, didn't really, like, try and hinder her dreams. He was just jealous and envious. And also, he felt less than. I think he didn't feel like he deserved her Mm -hmm. yet. And I think that was part of it. And her buying all of that merch was this is so sweet. And yes, it is kind of silly that he didn't realize it was all going to the same address. But it's still so, so sweet. That is like the sweetest, sweetest thing where she's doing that and she's not telling him. She had no plans on letting him know that. So it was just like her little way of showing how much she cared about him and saw him. And, you know, watching their relationship through the years was cute in the beginning too. And they just, it's like that couple that just, they just mesh. It's like they're one half of a whole kind of thing. He's her lobster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, but, but it's true. And that's not to say that they couldn't live without the other one. It's just that they're better together and they're suited for each other. And they, you know, they belong together and they have a very, very deep love and a very, very deep friendship. And I think that just enhances their, their love story. So, yeah. Well, because I thought this might be the person that everybody would bring up, even though it's fine if we all mention the same character, but I did want to just briefly, because I think it's, 
<laughs> we weird or we didn't. We've already mentioned Keanu Reeves a million times anyway. But Keanu Reeves plays a douchey version of Keanu Reeves in this. Like, douchey, douchey, douchey. It's exquisite. <laughs> it's so it great. is. So, Carla. Oh, and, and go listen to our episode covering Keanu Reeves from last year. So, Carla. Yes. Yeah, so you can see how I feel about Keanu Reeves at length. But I I love it when when actors who are very kind, nice people who are generally seen as like good people play like the worst version of themselves. And I absolutely adore him in this for that reason. Whether it's, you know, him presumptuously walking off to pay the check or calling Marcus out in front of a whole restaurant, being like, mm, I don't think you can afford this, but if you wanted to try to fight me for the check, be my guest. And, like, he takes an instant dislike to Marcus, and then makes it his job to show him up anytime that he can. And, okay, I, I again, I love Marcus, but I really think that Marcus does not, how to, know, does not know how to control his stink phase. Like, he doesn't know how <laughs> to, like, true. put brakes on it and be like, oh, this is my friend's new boyfriend. I should pretend to like him. From the, from the moment that Keanu Reeves steps into that restaurant, he's like, I hate this man. And yes, he's jealous and, and you know, deep down inside. He doesn't quite acknowledge it yet. So he will acknowledge it later down. that night. <laughs> yeah, no, he will acknowledge it later that evening. But he just has like a thing against him from the beginning. And because, as you know, Keanu Reeves is an actor and therefore very sensitive and in tune with the people around him, he can pick up on that. And yeah, he just makes it his business to be like, you're going down tonight, buddy. And unhinged as hell. The, the, the whole thing with the vase. Where Marcus is like, okay, fine, then I dare you to like <laughs> break the vase over your head. Which, first of all, what the hell, Marcus? Like, what? <laughs> how is that a normal thing to tell somebody to do? And then even more weird is the fact that Keanu goes and does it and just sits there with his face bleeding. Like, I did it. Now what? Who's the more man man now, Mr. Man? I'm the more man man now. I am Mr. Man, man, man. And the, the whole fight thing is like, I'm going to fight you. And then he uses all of his, you know... um, like, you know, the whole thing with, like, I know Kung Fu from The Matrix, and he's, like, holding his arm up. Oh, my God. It was just so beautifully weird and fantastic. Like, the the very, um, the, the stereotype that we have of Californians, and particularly Hollywoodians, how they're, like, weirdly into metaphysical stuff. And it's like, oh, you're your soul and your blah, 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 and this and that. And everything being about like, oh, it's all about, you know, the universe and the world and all of these things. But at the same time, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kill Marcus. By the end of the night, Marcus will be no more. <laughs> like, it, it's just so fabulously done. It's so hilarious. It is such a hilarious um, role. And I, I totally... I, I'm I'm sure that there are a lot of people who watch the movie just for that performance. And honestly, I can't blame you because Keanu is amazing and watching him do this is great. And as a bonus, you get a fantastic rom-com out of it. So I think everybody wins in this scenario. Except Keanu's forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jen. Oh, I absolutely love this terrible version of Keanu Reeves. He is awful and I love it. So when the movie first came out, you know, I didn't see it right away, but I did see the clip of um, his entrance into the restaurant 
and how people added all the different musics, uh, different songs as his entrance music. So I really had no idea what song he walked into. And when it wasn't what a man, I was like, wait a minute. I was super confused for a second. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I watched. That's right. I forgot. Those were fan edits. So I didn't. So I knew he was in the movie, but I didn't know he was so terrible. And it is. It's like Carla said just such the opposite of everything that we've kind of know and have heard about Keanu uh, just going in that opposite direction and playing just the worst fucking person was so much fun to watch. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, only Keanu Reeves can pull off those ugly ass glasses. And not a second later, he takes them off and he's like, there's not even lenses. I was like, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I loved it. It was it was just such a treat and it was such a hoot. And he's like, I know Chinese dignitaries, like weird flexes, man, like calm down. I don't know why he was so insecure around, around Marcus, but there was just for whatever reason, Marcus's existence just pissed off Keanu. <laughs> he had to let him know and like put him in his place or some shit. I don't know. But that was so I wasn't expecting a terrible Keanu and, and that was a, a fucking hoot. <laughs> and Meg. I, I, I love it. He's fantastic. He's amazing. I love how much input he also had in it. Like the glasses was his idea. The Chinese dignitaries <laughs> was his idea. He improvised some of his lines when he's like, I miss your soul. I miss your like. I so, love like, it. I, and I because I love that because it was it could. First off, it takes it does take a very self-assured and confident actor to be like, you know what, I'm going to play a terrible version of myself. And I think it'd be so weird to come into a movie that other people wrote your character as some giant douchebag. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to take this. But of course, Keanu Reeves is like, you know what, this is fantastic. I'm going to make it worse. <laughs> But it's just, it's, it's so funny. It's so, like, like I said, he got so disgusted when Marcus said that he masturbated to Jasmine. And he said, like, Mother Teresa. And, and Jenny said, Mao? <laughs> but yeah. Jasmine's the weird one? Or no, Martin Luther King was. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it was just like, it was, bizarre. no, that was her first crush was on Martin Luther yeah. King and his mm -hmm. first crush was on Mother Teresa. Like, you pretentious <laughs> pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, who has a crush on Mother Teresa? Anyway, I, again, I, I keep digressing. Um, no, but he is so completely unhinged. He's so bizarre. Breaking a vase on your own head and then be, and, and I love that he calls them an uber shit. Or a pool, I don't know what it is. I don't I that don't is carpool. Like the shadiest thing you can do to somebody. Yeah. Tell somebody you really don't care. It's the best. And like his whole attitude of the restaurant, he was like, I wouldn't I don't know how to say this, but I want to experience or do you have any food that like messes with time? <laughs> or the concept <laughs> of time. I would never eat at this restaurant, by the way, you guys. It's all awful. Hey, okay. Uh, was the restaurant like inspiration for the menu? Because <laughs> I was like, yes, chef. 
That's true. <laughs> Just the pretentiousness of some of that shit. I was like, oh my God, this inspired the menu. It had to have. <laughs> Oh my god, and he is just like, and he like takes every opportunity to get Marcus because, of course, he's insecure. I totally get why he's insecure about Marcus because obviously his girlfriend's in love with him. But when they're like, everything at the table's edible, and <laughs> Marcus is like, this napkin, like, no, don't eat the napkin. <laughs> just like, you just said everything. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I love it. I I think he's so funny. I I love it when when actors can really make fun of themselves and and do these overblown caricatures of themselves that don't show them in a good light at all. It's just it's so funny and it's probably like I love this whole movie, but that might be my favorite part of the movie is Keanu Reeves just being a complete disaster of a human. <laughs> yeah, no, I I second everything that's been said. Like I always. Love it when um, actors can poke fun at themselves. And and there are people, you know, and, and I know them who think this, before even this happened, before Keanu Reeves even played himself, that think that this is who Keanu Reeves is. There, there are people that don't, that think he is probably a jerk. And so, but then most people are like, oh, he's not, he's super nice. So I think it's interesting watching him play a version of himself that some people actually think is who he really is. And so I love it. I think it's hilarious. It's funny. I think he does a great job at playing a douchey version of himself. And he obviously doesn't care about how ridiculous he looks or anything like that. And I just really appreciated it. Um, I think some of the scenes with him are just some of the funniest scenes in the whole movie it leaves you wanting more, which doesn't mean I don't, it's not, I'm not saying I think they should have put more in, but it leaves you wanting more, which is a compliment because I think he just did, did a great, great job. And I love the little battle with Marcus just because it's just so hilarious to me. It's so funny. Uh, and their game back at the hotel. It's just, <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, great, great, great little cameo. Okay, well, just really quickly, just if you want to give a quick shout out to one other character or one other scene, Carla. I really, we all know Jenny is a flake and she's very weird, but I'm here to defend her a little bit because I think that she was not completely wrong about things. I think, I mean, other than her cooking being terrible, I, I really think that she's trying to do her best for the community. That does not include appropriating dreads but that's neither here nor there she's she's thinking that it's a good thing but she's genuinely trying to make a difference in, the, in her community and in the world and i think that there's nothing wrong with that you go jenny you go out there and be the light in the world that you want to see but maybe change your hairstyle yes and jen oh it's funny because i mine is also a scene that involves jenny but it's not <laughs> I get okay, but it okay. So it's when uh, Sasha goes over and has dinner, and and uh, Jenny makes that terrible dinner, and Marcus's face as he's trying to eat it. The instant, the just the way his face changes the second the food enters his mouth, and it's just like I've made a mistake. This is terrible. I don't know what to do, and. And then at one point she looks at him and he looks over at her and like face changes to like happy love. Like this isn't terrible. And then he turns away. (laughs) The whole thing cracks me up, you know, the hand and the spit in the food. And then, and then towards the end of that scene and she, 
shows more Vienna sausages in his mouth. And he's like, oh, another one. And then just can't take it and just spits it out of his plate. <laughs> you mean the racist butter lady plates? <laughs> oh, my God, I know. And that's why she stole them. That's another thing that I did like about her. Because, yes, we're talking about, you know, like, you know, eat the rich. Like, steal the riches uh, merch. <laughs> steal the merch. <laughs> but I, that scene all... All because of Randall Park. And again, just him being maybe a comedic genius. He is fucking hilarious. And the the timing, the facial expressions. <laughs> I can't get through it without laughing. It's my favorite. <laughs> Meg. I mean, y'all took mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can repeat. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just, I agree. I think those are great scenes. And we talked a lot about the Keanu Reeves scenes. Those are probably, like, just my favorite little bits and pieces. I love Harry. I wanted more Harry. He just, he's just, he's just so cute. Like, I just want to, like, snuggle him. <laughs> and then he's making out with Diana Ross. <laughs> Diana Ross. <laughs> He's like, you know, I've always loved Diana. <laughs> it's just fun. I just, I think it's hard to pick a lot of stuff. I also think Veronica is just hilarious in everything. Like, <laughs> she gives uh, Sasha water from her thigh, thigh gap, from between her thighs. She's like, I don't want your thigh gap. Aren't you like, thank you for saying, calling it a gap. <laughs> Talking about making her baby wear all gray. Like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> what kind of psychopath are you? It's just, she was hilarious. And their relationship is is great. And yeah, I, I love them all. I just want to throw in that Michelle Buteau is also a comedian. Also has a great comedy special on Netflix that you should also check out. What? Women can't be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I am going to second Harry, and the one thing I really appreciate about this character is when you first watch it, you think they're just going to make him just this widower who never even thinks about moving on, and then he finds love again, and I just want to shout out that because I loved that. I That was so great and so sweet and so cute and so adorable, and I just really appreciated that they did that in the movie. So I, I love that they gave him someone to fall in love with. Again, I just I really like that. Old man. Yeah, I really appreciated that. So, and I think the performance is, is great too. Um, okay, well, I know we've we've talked about it um, some already, but I did want to just ask Carla if there was anything else you wanted to add with the importance of having representation within the romantic comedy genre. I just think that we need more of it. You know, it, this is a, a great form of representation. There's still not nearly enough of it. There are still so many, so many people who are um, not being given the opportunity to show themselves on screen and to show their version of a rom-com and, you know, whatever they want to touch on from their culture or heritage. Um, I would love to see just absolutely every kind of representation that there is and i think it's it's a shame that the response to more representation isn't just a unanimous hell yeah like i i just i don't understand what, what people are like oh god all of this woke crap you know like crawl back under your rock a lot of us enjoy it 
There's still plenty of bland white people yeah. that you can watch. Like, go to Cam- mm-hmm. uh, Candace Cameron Bure's channel and just stream <laughs> go her watch crap. Like, <laughs> go watch Jesus. Yes. Like, leave the rest of us to our good things. Go go and enjoy your poor taste crap. Like, go watch you know, Hallmark movies. You're, you're the one who deserves the AI-ridden white Christian um, rom-coms. Yes. <laughs> Jen? Oh, well, you know, plenty of it has been said already, you know, from not having uh, a fetishized Asian woman main character. That's always wonderful to see. No weird purple red streak being dark and edgy and 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 all of that. And to see an Asian man being more than like a nerdy techie good at math kid is that would have been such a big fucking deal to have seen as a child to be like, wow, we can be more than just like this short list of things. So that's why it's important. And I, I'm glad that now there are more, I guess, options like for my kids and to, to consume with being able to see people that look more like them or just non-white people on the tv all the fucking time and again just the idiosyncrasies of the culture koreans use scissors for everything felt a little called out but i was like okay she's not wrong obviously (laughs) and also like with at least with my mom not a measuring utensil in sight so she'd scoop her rice out of the big bag of rice using just a random bowl Two scoops of that, and then you fill the water up until it comes up to a certain point on the back of your hand. The fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that's where a lot of my anxieties about cooking comes from. Because I'm like, but not everyone has the same size hand. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, like I said, it was just kind of nice to see just those little things. You don't realize what a big deal it is to see it. Um, well, what a big deal it is until you see it. And you're just like, whoa, like just normal people doing normal rom-com things. What? So it's, it's, it's needed. It's appreciated. And even though this genre is not my top genre, I do need to make a better effort at making sure I watch them to make sure that more, uh, more stories featuring Asian characters or minorities, underrepresented characters continue to be made because if it all of a sudden stops <laughs> and we're just left with cookie cutter Viridian stories, like everything's the fucking same, except for maybe, nope, everything's the fucking same. It's, it's going to get, shit's going to get real boring real fast. So and then a couple other things I had written down about it. So like the first time I ever saw myself in media was in the 90s, Margaret Cho's All-American Girl, a very short-lived sitcom where that was the most represented I ever felt was this Korean-American teenager, but also very Americanized and very kind of uh, not like, but just just you kind of like your typical teen of the 90s coming home to a more traditional Asian family, which was... It wasn't a hundred percent my family, but I was like, this is the closest I've ever seen me on in any kind of show or movie. Um, and then also when uh, uh, Marcus and his dad are at uh, like the spa bathhouse or whatever, and they're getting the dead skin scrubbed off and he had all the shit on his face. 
that made me laugh so fucking hard. And this is going to get gross. So we called that um, because I would have to go in when my mom was done with her bath and I would have to do that to her back with these really harsh, scrubby pad things. And and I dubbed it. um, It was called spaghetti mom's back because the way that that skin would hold down. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. So I, I really, as <laughs> disgusting as that moment was, because even this shit on Harry's face, I was like, ew, that's nasty. Took me back. <laughs> so I wrote spaghetti mom's back. <laughs> Man, you ever just think about the shit your parents got you to do when you were kids, and then later you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> the hell? It was weird, man. <laughs> I had a cousin who used to, like, got told and convinced to go after someone, like, farted to go and sniff their fart. <laughs> Why would you do this to a child? But then I'm like, you know what? It was really funny. <laughs> and not me, so. <laughs> Meg, did you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I, I mean... I have no idea what it's like to not see yourself represented on TV or in movies and stuff like that. So I can't really speak to the impact that has. Personally, I think we need to have so much more representation until it's no longer a big deal. Until Mm -hmm. we are no longer like, oh my gosh, until we're no longer making podcasts about like, this is great, look at this novelty or this first time ever where we have asian american rom-coms or look at this big deal that we have an lgbtqia romance story i just i want more representation until it's not a big deal until it's not newsworthy that minorities and underrepresented people get representation i i don't want I don't want to hear about how exciting and new that is that we can have a love story with a person who uses a wheelchair mm-hmm. and not just for rom-coms for everything, because all of these people exist in the real world and everybody deserves to see themselves and see their stories. be told everyone deserves kids that today deserve to grow up the way I did always seeing myself represented. I always saw my stories being told like growing up as a middle-class white girl, <laughs> that was always there so the idea the idea of not seeing myself is so foreign to me that it's heartbreaking when i think about that the real the reality that it is for people my age and older having to go through and i don't think anyone should have to go through that and like i said just more until no one gives a shit until people aren't complaining about things being woke like Remake everything with minority characters. And again, if you don't like it, there's plenty of Hallmark movies that you can watch. That's nothing but middle-aged suburban white moms getting murdered in the middle of the night. (laughs) Like, that's all they are. And then Christmas. You know? They they have they go to Christmas tree farms and fall in love with mediocre looking white men <laughs> that we can't tell the difference between what any of them are, and then they get murdered by their best friends or their husbands' mistresses. I don't know. You can have all of that if that's really what you want, but most of us want interesting stories about people who are different than we are, so we can learn more. I have learned so much by just 
broadening my horizons on what I watch and watching things. And that's one of the things I, that I've appreciated about streaming and stuff and seeing so many different foreign countries, TV shows and movies and stuff like that. And like, don't be afraid of the subtitles, y'all. <laughs> like, but yeah, that's what I want. Just more, more, more. Yes, I second and triple and quadruple everything that's been said and, um, you know, how important it is and everybody needs deserve to deserves to see themselves and not just as some side character and not just as some um, caricature. And I also want to stress another big way to help make this happen is Hollywood is a business, so money. And I want to point out that, and I did not know this before I put this on the schedule, but I found this out when I was looking on Alamo's uh, website the other day to see what, you know, because they re Alamo is great. We've been shouting them out so much. Um, we're not sponsored by them, but maybe someday we will be. Um, but they do, they like re show movies and stuff like that all the time. And starting tomorrow, the 13th, they are going to be showing Always Be My Maybe at Alamo Draft House. They're also doing like brunch showings of it, which is like they have special drinks and special brunch menu and stuff like that. So if you want to also support more movies like this being made, also show up and spend money if you can, if you feel comfortable going to the theater. Alamo Draft House is amazing theater chain. So that's another way you can support, um, you can make your voice heard, make your dollars count really, and show that you want to see more representation in romantic comedies. So I just thought that was interesting the other day that I saw that and I was like, I've got to make sure to mention that because, <laughs> and a lot of times, sometimes I don't think they're, when they do it with their movie parties. I don't think they're doing a movie party with Always Be My Maybe because sometimes they'll do movie parties and they give away like props. They give you props and stuff like that. I didn't see that they were doing that with Always Be My Maybe, but they could be doing it in other markets. I'm just looking at the Colorado market, but seek that out and go watch it. So you could win the Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. They're giving little Corollas. Um, <laughs> little cor- like little Hot Wheel Corollas and a little bit of Parmesan cheese. <laughs> that would be cute. And a condom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but we it is time for six degrees of Finn Whitrock. And Jen is part of my Finn crew, so she is required to play. I don't let any of my members of my Finn crew slide on this. Um, but did anyone else play other than me and Jen? I'm working on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so I'll go to Jen first then. So, Jen, how did you connect Finn Whitrock to Always Be My Maybe? Well, I started with my brand new favorite, Randall Park. He did a voice on this little animated series called Star Trek Lower Decks. I don't think anyone's ever heard of it. Just kidding. It's amazing. Everyone loves it. Um, <laughs> who uh, and uh, Jack Quaid. Also does a voice as a regular cast member on that show as Bold Boimler, as I like to refer to him. Um, and he starred in Plus One with Finn. Hey, that is the first timer. Yay, Jen. Hey. First time we've used that movie. So <laughs> I always love it when we get first time ones. <laughs> so, Meg, did you find one? Yep, sure did. I searched okay. my brain, thought real hard. <laughs> Uh, no, I went with Ali Wong, who is obviously and always be my baby, with Casey Wilson, who is in Long Weekend with Finn Whitrock. So 
That's nice. it. Boom. Done. Again. Yay, none of us are using any Ryan Murphy things. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thought real hard. <laughs> no, but that's and and that movie is great. If you want to watch a, another romantic comedy that I know Jen loves because I really like Jen that and I do we go watch that one. That's it's so it's oh I love that. Stop movie. making me like rom coms, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, what um, does it? Is it happy? I don't want to. <laughs> uh, there are there is some crying in it. There's some crying actually in it. So it's a, it's a different kind of take on it. So, but I used Keanu Reeves, who was of course in The Matrix with Lawrence Fishburne, who was in Mystic River with Kevin Bacon. I loved I love when I can use Kevin Bacon because you know six degrees of Kevin Bacon, who is in Crazy Stupid Love with Ryan Gosling, who was in La La Land with Finn. So <laughs> nicely done. Thank you. And we are going to be playing a special version of Six Degrees of Finn Wit Rock during our May 20th marathon streaming event. And we need your help. And you could possibly win some It's a Fandom Thing merch. And I'll probably throw in a It's a Snail Thing sticker because that is in reference to the snail propaganda movie that Finn was in <laughs> called Deep Water. So. <laughs> So please go to our website. It's a fandom thing pod.com. Click the six degrees of Finn Whitrock page and send us any movie, television show, or even a band to connect Finn to. Please, please ensure that Finn is not in it because that'll be disqualified if he is. <laughs> and tune in on May 20th. The fun starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time and then ends at 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. The Finn thing is going to be towards the end um, and see how we connect Finn to these things. The deadline is May 19th. Try and make him obscure, too. I would love for them to be obscure. Try and beat my Dungeons and Daddies one. Yes, or <laughs> Susie's. Susie's yeah. when she connected, when she connected Finn, when she connected the movie to Finn through his very first stage performance. <laughs> It was amazing. So try and beat those two. But yes, try, try, try and give us the the very difficult ones. I would love that. Um, and you will be entered to win some It's a Fendom Thing merch. We will draw the name at the 930 Mountain Standard Time during that half hour slot. I'll be drawing the names of the winners of that. And also, another way you can win some great merch, some great prizes. We've got a great um, bag of goodies that were picked up, like Erin A donated that she picked up at various cons. They're not sponsored by any of the things, but a great grab bag there. Um, and a few other things. We have another thing. Um, Neil Fraser from Neil Fraser Graphics. He just let me know he is going to donate as a prize two 11 by 17 prints of his that you get to choose from his store. He's donating that as a prize as well. So the way you can win those prizes is become a Patreon supporter today for just three bucks a month. Plus you get ad-free episodes as well. You get bonus content. Coming up, we're going to do a commentary track for Office Space. So you get and tons of things that we have done recently. Uh, we mentioned the menu on here. We did an episode covering the menu. So go become a Patreon supporter today. And as long as you join by May 20th, you will be automatically entered in to win. I'll be drawing the names live to see who wins those prizes. So lots of different prizes. So yeah, I think they're all great. 
But we're going to go ahead and close out this episode. I'm going to go around and have my amazing panelists tell me where they can be found and, most importantly, their podcasts. So, Carla from Bedwetter Behead. Hi, I'm Carla from Bedwetter Behead. <laughs> and my co-host, Meg, is also on the panel tonight. And what? our podcast, if you don't know what it's called, it's called Bedwetter Behead, which you can find wherever you get your Bedwetter Behead podcasts and also your non-Bedwetter Behead podcasts. And now your podcast can also become Bedwetter Behead. You can look for our retweets at bedwetbehead.com. No, wait, at bedwetbeheadpod. You can find our Instagram presence where we are present on Instagram, not actively usually, but we are there at bed.wet.behead.pod. You can find our five, that's right, five awesome TikToks, most of them featuring Pedro Pascal because uh, that is all I know how to make and that is the easiest TikTok I know how to make. At Bedwetbehead Pod. You can also find me, my art, and my musings at Carla Temis on Instagram or my website, carlatemis.com. That's C A R L A T E M I S dot com. <laughs> I was just crying too much to almost, I almost missed. I just, I did the head bobbing on your website. I almost missed it because I was laughing so hard. Uh, so. <laughs> So, Jen, my beautiful podcast brain twin from My Streaming Bubble, where can they find My Streaming Bubble? They can find the podcast on a podcast player near them, whichever that might be, Apple, Spotify, not Pandora. Uh, You can follow. I love Pandora. (laughs) (laughs) If I had a brand beef with anybody, it's going to be fucking Pandora. (laughs) Uh, You can follow the podcast, mostly me, on Twitter, at streaming bubble, no my and that. And then you I am also on Facebook and Instagram sometimes as my streaming bubble and on also on TikTok, but even less than I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but also as my streaming bubble there. So you know, just put the Google, just enter it into Google, it'll pop up. I'm it'll be just all over. You'll love it. So many clicks. Thank you. Click score. Clickety clackety. So Meg, who you are also from that podcast, Bed Wet or Behead, where can they it's find true. you? Nowhere. You can find me nowhere. I do nothing. No, you can find me on all of the socials at Wisconsinac, which is W I S C O N S E N N A C H. Ooh, I got a little... I bobbed my head. I got a little head bob, finally. I've been feeling so left out and not special. (laughs) Left out. What do I need to spell? (laughs) Well, you're my podcast brain twin, so... (laughs) Oh, I need to be just bobbing along, too. (laughs) No, you're you're above... You're above the rest. (laughs) I'm sure they didn't hear that. This is why I don't invent... uh, introduce Mm -hmm. friends to other friends (laughs) i don't like it i don't like this yeah we get get obnoxious with it (laughs) but in the fun loving way loving way (laughs) yes yes well well this is this is aaron and i happen to love pandora because that happens to be our second (laughs) most popular way that people listen to the podcast I'm sorry. I just always love to rub that in Jen's face. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a joke, everybody. Um, I mean, it's not a joke that we're on there because you can find us there. So. See what happens when you're the favorite? No. <laughs> uh, but.
But anyway, uh, don't follow me. Follow Fergie on TikTok at um, – oh, yeah. Carla must have turned her camera off because I'm like <laughs> – Oh, she's like, I'm done. I, I did yeah. my – I signed at, off. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> at uh, Schroeder and Fergs, that's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. I know it's long, but it's worth it. I got some head bobs on that. That's pretty awesome. Um, be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. <laughs> on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. Uh, if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show or to find out more information about our May 20th marathon streaming event, Head on over to it's a fandom thing pod.com. You can click the contact us button there. Also, while you're there, if you are liking the show and you want to support us in any way, once again, become a Patreon supporter or go to our Redbubble store or you can buy us a coffee. Um, and another way to support us and support my other lovely podcasts friends is by rating and reviewing us if you like our content on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate us five stars. That helps us get. Sorry. Oh my gosh. See, sometimes you can't see what I'm seeing. Sometimes listeners. they can't. I think most of the time they can't see what you're seeing. That's true. That's well. Sometimes if we do a live, nobody stream. makes me bleed my own blood. Anyway, uh, on the next episode. You, uh, next week, you are going to hear probably the end of my friendship with Carla, Ishel, and Tiff, because we are going to be discussing Scrubs. This is my first time watching Scrubs. She don't want no Scrubs. No. I have yet to laugh. And um, so. What about crying? Have you cried? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, maybe not in the way that you did. <laughs> so I will apologize in the beginning. I probably won't say much because I will let the people that love it speak. But it's happened before. Gilmore Girls and How I Met Your Mother. So, so <laughs> yes, so it could be the end of a friendship or maybe it'll be the strengthening of friendships. We shall see. <laughs> No more head bops for you. <laughs> so until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. It makes it even better when the... Uh-oh. We lost Carla. Just her face. Oh, oh, I have my thing set so that I don't see, like, when the, so I had my thing so set because color. I had to do it. <laughs> it was a black box. <laughs> you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.